For many people, the best new animated show of 2020 was Avatar The Last Airbender. For those of you who want to watch more than just amazing reruns, we got you. Stay tuned. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, your favorite podcast about animation and storytelling and the best animated shows of 2020. I'm Chris Leva. And I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And today we're getting you introduced to some of your new favorite shows on the television box. Box being the keyword, because many of these are not on television without a box. Right. You have to subscribe. Subscribe. <laughs> Click to subscribe so you can watch all of these shows. I think that's one of the big themes this year is stream. Stream it if you got it, you know. I think people know. I Honestly, like, we talk about themes in this episode every year, and I think a lot of the themes this year are, like, Last year, but more of the same. <laughs> and there are so many. I feel like this year it was difficult to keep up with all the new shows. Yeah, I definitely slacked throughout the year. We've talked about a couple new ones already. Um, there are big ones that we have skipped throughout the year. There's big ones that I probably still did not watch in preparation for this episode, but hopefully Chris did. <laughs> I, I tried, man. I, I tried to watch as many as I could because I feel this episode is one that people listen to because they're like us. They love animation and don't know what to watch. And they're looking to us for our list of things. And hopefully if, if we didn't like something, you hear about it and say, you know what? I don't agree with them, but that could totally be my jam. And that's fine. Yeah, this is a survey course. This is not even a 101. This is like a 020 college course, if that's a thing. <laughs> um, if you want the TLDR, skip to the end of the episode where we talk about our favorite things and what we plan to keep watching. If you want to know why we like the things we like, listen to this episode. And as always, we start our conversation with what are those things that we're still watching from last year? What are the things that have continued with us, you know, since 2017? Uh, DuckTales, like, is staying on there, I think, for both of us. But what are those things that we're still watching from 2019? Um, Mackenzie? Uh, I have stuck very firmly to Infinity Train, uh, which I'm currently unclear if it's continuing or not. We'll see what HBO Max does. Uh, but I think that's been a great, like, anthology three seasons miniseries. Um, Harley Quinn, I think, is still one of the smartest shows on TV. Um, Primal, turns out, is not a miniseries, and there's more of that. So I'm going to consider that <laughs> I'm still watching. <laughs> um, Tuca and Birdie, same deal. Turns out it's not canceled, so I'll consider that I'm still watching this. Uh, I occasionally... Although it's oriented at young, younger audiences, and uh, I don't have children in my household. Uh, Chris, whenever you tell me to watch an episode of Bluey, I do, because 
it's engaging and funny and inventive. And I don't watch it all the time. But anytime you say this one's good, I will do that. Uh, and as a side note, because uh, my husband also likes cartoons, I use him as a measurement. He's still watching Carmen San Diego and loves that on Netflix. Mm. So I've seen some of that because he's watched all of it. <laughs> How about you? I I I have to talk with like the family ones and the ones that I personally am watching. Um, as a family, we never watch blue. We never stop watching Bluey. Bluey <laughs> is something that's always a constant for us. And there are a great deal many times where my wife and I will rewatch one ourselves, and we just need a a seven minute feel good about our lives and. Um, as a parent, to be seen for a moment is really nice. It's like, look, here, is, here are good, loving people who don't have all the answers, but they're making it up as they go, and they're doing it with fun and a spirit of positivity. And doesn't that just sound like something that you just want? So I'm looking forward to season three of Bluey. Um we often, for different reasons, talked about moving to Australia so we could, you know, get more Bluey sooner. Um, <laughs> it's not quite related to Bluey, but, like, Bluey is telling us, like, yeah, let's go for Australia. That sounds like a good plan, um, depending. Uh, Harley Quinn. <laughs> uh, my wife gets angry when I watch that one by myself, but... I feel like that one's like uh, me and her show. That's the uh, cheat show. Like you can't you can't cheat on your wife by watching Harley Quinn alone. Yeah, I can't. Like if I if I do, I'll have to rewatch it, which isn't a terrible like. Oh no, I have to watch it. I have to watch it a second time. Um, I used to do that with Ducktales. Like I would watch it by myself, and then I'd watch it with my son, and then my wife would get angry. Like you didn't watch it with me. I'm like, I guess I'll watch it again. You know, <laughs> shucks. Um, Amphibia, my family still watches. We're like right up on Amphibia. Uh, the Rocketeer, Jack still watches that now and again. And Tuca and Birdie, I'm excited to, to have come back. So those are what we're watching from last year. I like and, that. That's a solid lineup. Yeah. Like, Look how many shows we're still watching from last year. Think about our cartoon cues in general, listeners. How many cartoons are Chris and Mackenzie watching? And we're still catching up. We're playing catch up because we never had the time from the first time we watched it in season one. We're finally on season three of Steven Universe, like of watching that from the beginning as a family. So we watched three or four of them a day just to keep up. Like, it's dinner time. Let's turn on Steven. Um, I mean, that's... One of the benefits right now on lockdown of a show like Steven Universe, like there's hundreds of like short episodes that are bite sized and it's good all the way through. So you can just consistently stay busy <laughs> watching <laughs> 10 minute shorts. Ah, oh, so good. So as we as we transition into our talk about what's new for 2020, we broke this up easily for you to jump <laughs> From topic to topic. So we'll start for shows for younger ages, younger audiences and families. So if you are a parent and you are tired of watching that one show that your child won't stop watching, we're going to give you 
several others that you could hopefully introduce into their diet. Um, you may have to coax them to watch something different, but here's some good things to watch. Then we'll talk about things for all ages. So as a family, or if you have young, uh, younger, older kids, <laughs> tw <laughs> tweens and beyond, like 10 and up, and, you know, but also appropriate for anybody. And then we're going to move into uh, the, quote, adult-oriented shows. Um, I feel like sometimes the adult-oriented category is like college-age guys category of shows. but That's fair. I think some of these also might be like all ages in the way that Simpsons is all ages, but a lot of the jokes might go over the heads of kids too. Right, right. So we'll we'll talk about like here here are the ones to watch if you're still in college or haven't really moved beyond that particular mindset. Here are the ones that are good if you're actually an adult. And before we get started, as pure disclosure, I do want to say that I, Mackenzie, do work for Apple, though I don't work on any content related to Apple TV Plus or choosing what gets put on Apple TV Plus. But just to be safe, if we talk about any Apple TV Plus stuff, only Chris will be doing the talking on those shows. <laughs> Just as a heads up, full disclosure for our listeners. That's fair. I appreciate that, Mackenzie. Should we talk about um, young audience shows since you have more of a, a stake in that than I do? <laughs> just a little bit. With an eight-year-old at home, I, I just love how this podcast has been going since he was like three or two. And we've gone from Doc McStuffins to like, like we had to find a couple of shows that was difficult to find. Here are some not annoying kids shows to watch. And now it's like, okay, how there's so many shows. Like it's, it's wide open and available. Yeah. Um, I was impressed with the few things that I watched in this category of like the, it's not all that generic. Like, you know what I think of like a YouTube, like computer animated kids video. Yeah. Like you think that style, uh, mm -hmm. they all have a, design language to them now yeah they look so different and i think that's one of the best parts of the shows now is they're thinking aesthetically and it's not they don't feel generic and the ones that feel do feel generic or feel like they're riffing on something that's already there um you're like i can i can skip that i can skip those so what of these did you love What's new in 2020 for young kids? Okay. So I would say the one that Jack found on his own and binged like crazy was Rhyme Time Town. He found that and he fell in love with those storybook characters. So this is like uh, kids who were in, well, it's not kids, but it's like young characters, uh, the cat and the dog from the Hey Diddle Diddle um, rhyme, hanging out with Humpty Dumpty and meeting all these people and just ripping apart the, uh, the rhymes and I don't want to say limericks, but like the rhymes and fairy tales, um, like the, it's raining, it's pouring, the old man is snoring, pulling that apart and giving that a narrative story, uh, or m trying to figure out a way to make Humpty Dumpty a knight because he's a little bit fragile and has a mother who's scared of him breaking again. So this is post fall. 
So it's it's just really fun and the characters are all positive and they look really cool and it it's like a really designy and cute. So is it kind of like wish bony like they know the fairy tale going into it and they're trying to like make a uh, mm-hmm. a happier outcome? No, no, it's more like <laughs> so there're no human characters really. <clears throat> um but it's like the the characters are living the rhymes. So like the rhyme is born out of what they're doing. So it's not really like, hey, it's raining, it's pouring. Oh, it's this reminds us of this rhyme. It's like, no, this is our life. Like it's raining, it's pouring. <laughs> we hear this sound. What is that sound? It turned out to be somebody snoring, but they thought it was a dragon or a monster or something. So they had uh. to figure it out. Like, no, oh, it's that old man. He's snoring. So... That's cute. So it's kind of like a meta narrative. So especially kids who are familiar with these rhymes can yes. laugh in the meta way that adults might at like an MCU movie that like references something. <laughs> I know that. Exactly. Like, oh, I get that reference. They're, they're totally, that's, that's what this is. But in a cute, really kind way, it's really kind hearted and, and sweet. Hmm. Um, I really, it, he, he watched so much of this. And I was there was at some point I was like, "What are what is this? What are you even watching?" Um, and he 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 loved it so much. So that would be number one if you're looking for something sweet and not <laughs> I don't want to say like not annoying, but you I feel like parents would know, like, oh, it's that annoying thing that I can't watch with my kids, you know. I don't think it falls into that category. I think if you're sitting there, you would enjoy it. But it's not funny for adults in the same way. But it's something you could feel safe like, oh, you're watching Rhyme Time Town? You're fine. Enjoy. Yeah, it'll never surprise you with a hard conversation you have to have. Right. Or you're in the kitchen and you hear it, so it you won't get annoyed by having it in the background. <laughs> because there are... Shows that are, uh, so so that's on Rhyme Time Town on Netflix, but there's also something like Mighty Express on Netflix, which is good in some ways because the very first human character we see w- was in a wheelchair. And I was <laughs> like, oh, that's great. And most of the, most of the main characters are uh, kids of color. And I was like, that's really cool. But it's a really aggressive show. And when I mean aggressive... I don't mean like mean like monster truck rally. I mean like the camera never stops moving and it's huge sweeping stuff and the music's loud and the kids, the child acting is all shouting and it's just really, you feel really frazzled after watching it. It's so overstimulating and the aggressive is the only word I could think of to describe how I felt after watching that. So, yes, it has trains. So if your kid loves trains, sure. But my, my, my child will not watch that. Out of his choice or your choice? Out of my choice. Executive okay. decision. Like, I was like, I, I see the, the Jack inroad for trains here. Like, I see how that was attractive. Yeah, yeah. He, he, I watched this late at night because I wanted to make sure that it was something... Um, it's like for the, for the parents who know like the train shows, you have like Thomas, which is like Mr. Rogers version of like 
Like, oh, it's a sweet little train. Great. Whatever. And then you have Chuggington, which is slightly more like, oh, my gosh, it's a little little overstimulated. It's a little too much. Imagine if you took Chuggington and, like, blasted it with, like, Hot Wheels sports crazy energy. Like, let's go. Like, that's Mighty Express. <laughs> so on train scales of, like, a nice ride in the country with Thomas or like Mighty Express, like, I have no brakes. Ah, like that's that's what you're getting. Yeah, that sounds like a lot. Yeah, it's too much. <laughs> Anything else for young kids that you're like, yes, this is seal of approval? Uh, two of them. Well, three of them, really. So I got three, three, three other good recommendations. Chico Bonbon, Monkey with the Tool Belt. Oh, thank God. I was hoping you liked that one. <laughs> did, is that one that you uh, you enjoyed? I did watch it. Um, I have I didn't watch much of it, so I think you get the bulk of the opinion here. Um, but just the idea of Monkey with a Tool Belt is totally in the like young Mackenzie wheelhouse of like show concepts. Like, yes, Monkey with a Tool Belt. Tell me more. <laughs> I need like next like kitty cat with a stage hand box or something like that. <laughs> I need some calf tape. Meow. I, I just really enjoyed it because it has, it's really stylish. Like it feels really cool. It has a style and texture to it. That's really fun. Um, also the music, like the, the, the score just makes you feel cool. Like as a parent, I'm like, this is the coolest music I've heard in a children's show. Like I've, it took me back to watching Ocean's Eleven for the first time and like, I wanna <laughs> rob something. Like I wanna like. <laughs> I wanna be a monkey fixing something with a wrench. Yeah. Oh, We're, that's the concept, it's a monkey wrench. I get it now. Like that's that's what it is. It, it you just felt really cool, and they're really friendly, and it's yes, there's fun, excitement, and action, but it doesn't f- cross the line into being overstimulating. Like it, it keeps the levels really well, and it's just there aren't fights between friends. You know, I, I like that they're problem solving and using their brains. Like the one that I watched, Monkey had a had to eat a banana to figure something out. And you went inside monkey's brain and it was like, How do, okay, let's, let's figure this out. And it's, it's about thinking and planning and sorting through things. Hmm. Okay. I like it. I mean, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the ride. Um, and also just visually, I think it's a really, uh, what is it like? It's almost like, like a, a newspaper comic strip in design style. Mm-hmm. It's kind of simple characters, um, but a 3D world. It, it reminds me a lot of like the Peanuts movie style. Yeah. Yes, definitely. With a little bit of the live action Speed Racer, you know, thrown in. Just like, yeah. just like with, not not like a ton, but like a like a filter, like at twenty, like at seven percent filter of the Speed Racer movie. Like it, I dig it. Okay. All right. Uh, what else would you recommend? 
I only watched one episode, but I do want to watch more, even though I think Jack is a little old for it. Um, he still likes really cute things. I feel like Go Go Corey Carson surprised me hmm. as being, it's like, it's almost like Bluey for younger kids and with cars. <laughs> Yes, I could see that. I watched one episode there as well, and it felt like for kids who have watched everything in the Pixar Cars franchise, but would like more family dynamics, like Go Go Corey Carson is for you. Mm-hmm. I, I think the the episode I saw, they were going off to school for the first time, and the mom's like, she says to the dad, like, this is the moment that sealed it for me. The mom car looks over to the dad car. And it's like, are you ready for this? And then the the dad like kind of nods and it's like, or laughs like, no, no, I'm not. Like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready for him to go to school. And like Corey and his mom go off, and the dad looks at the daughter car and it's just like, never grow old. Like never get older ever. Like it's like that's so real. That's that's real, and it doesn't shy away from showing Corey having a hard time at his first day of school and just being overwhelmed by that and wanting to go home. And like, I don't, I don't want to be here. It's like, this is exactly what it was like. This is true to the way Jack is on the first day of school every single year. It's like a repeat of this episode, but I think it was the authenticity and the, um, I guess that's it. It just felt fairly authentic to the emotions behind these cars. And I think that's what I like about shows for young kids now too. Like so many more people are, I think this is probably the, the Chris knee effect of doc McStuffins and Mm. her empire of shows of like, not like basing these stories off of what your own kids experience when you're writing Mm. the show in like, wanting to deal with these hard topics, these unique topics, um, and not just be like, school is fun with like yeah. the abstract idea of what childhood is. It's instead like, let's help kids deal with these complex emotions and things that they actually have to deal with. And also turning it into something where he's going to school and his issue is not a bully or mm-hmm. his issue is not someone's mean to him. It's not about the kids having this manufactured conflict because that was never Jack's experience in school. It it was always just this very personal fear and anxiety of what is this new experience going to be like? And it was never like that kid's mean to me or that kid this, it was, I don't know what this experience is. And it, I think it takes parents to work on, but it's also hard to get parents in the writer's rooms, you know, in writing because they're parents, but, <laughs> but they, they should be in, in writer's rooms. Um, like it, they, they should be sharing their experiences, but I, I also like the design of Corey Carson. It's really cute um, design. Like I know Jack would be all over it and there was a fun train character that was in there um (laughs) gotta start with the train episode and move on from there exactly so 
I, I thought those, those are the three big ones. I also really enjoyed um, Mira, Royal Detective on Disney Junior. Um, it's just nice to see <laughs> a lead character who's a female who is not white. Like, I love that Disney has this thing where it's like, look, we're, this, this takes place in India. Here you go. It's just different. I mean, say what you want about globalism, but at least giant corporations that do entertainment finally realize, like, maybe we should have characters that represent the global audience we're going after. So <laughs> A-plus for globalism in that case. Yeah, I, I really liked like that episode. I think I'd be fine with Jack watching that show. I think it's just, it's really lighthearted. Um, it's good to show somebody using logic to solve things. You know, she's a... She's the first young person to be a royal detective. All the other royal detectives were these, you know, older men. And so she has to wear the robe of the royal detective. But it's, like, too big because they have the same robe for the royal detective. And it's just it's just made for a man who's, like, <laughs> in their 40s. And here's this young, like, seven-year-old wearing this, like, I don't know how this fits. <sighs> and I also do... What what was the catchphrase? Sloppy samosas? I mean, that just sounds like a fun dinner. Yeah, it was just really funny. I I like that one. Um, I also liked, maybe not for me, but maybe for Jack, um, but It's Pony on Nickelodeon too. Uh, I liked liked the animation style, and I like that it's this, uh, it's a take on a girl and her horse. But the horse is, you know, talking and living life. So it's like, it's very much age old of peanuts in the way of Charlie Brown with a ridiculous dog. It's a girl with a ridiculous horse, but who talks and who, um, the one that I watched, uh, they were trying to go through things and um, they wanted to show that they could man the fruit stand instead of their parents. So their parents could have a day off together, but they had to prove that they were um, uh, responsible enough. But Pony was being too nosy and getting into everyone's business. And so it's like, look, you have to stop bothering people and leave people alone. But it turned out that Pony's nosiness and getting in everyone's business helped him learn about everybody. So then he made recommendations and everyone started mm-hmm. shopping at the vegetable stand. So it's like, oh, okay, that's fun. It, it feels like a smart, smarter 90s Nickelodeon show. Like it feels closer to a 90s Nickelodeon show. I mean, I think Nickelodeon is on the verge of re-figuring out what they want to be. <laughs> So I, that makes me feel good about their future. They seem to have a slate of new things coming in the future. Um, and I feel like we rarely talk about Nickelodeon shows on our podcast now because there just haven't been that many that are animated. True. Oh, my gosh, I have two more. I, I just remembered. Like, I, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm looking, re-looking at the list. Like, okay, I just, The Adventures of Paddington. I hope that comes back because that was really sweet. And I loved the style of that one. It looks like a stop motion 
animated thing, even though it's CGI, it's done and it feels very stop motion, which reminds me of the old, old, old Paddington series that was stop motion way, way back. Um, but it's also um, Ben Wishaw from the Paddington films is still the voice of Paddington. So it feels very much in that universe and... So are you a Paddington stan then? Because I know some people uh, are Paddington stans. I love Paddington. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I've seen the first one and I liked it. I agree it is a good movie. Uh, I was curious to wonder if the show stands on its own without having seen the movies. It does. It stands on its own. If you know Paddington lore of Paddington lives with his family, then you're fine. You're set. <laughs> That's all you need. Um, there's just a lot of funny, silly... Um, business that he does and a lot of slapstick humor, but nobody gets hurt and nobody's mean and everybody's kind, but still there's drama in what he's doing. Like he has to, he cares for this pigeon who gets stuck in the um, chimney and hurts his wings. So he cares for him and tries to do things for him. And then there's the moment where he has to let the pigeon go. It's like, oh, I have to say goodbye to Pigeonton. Like I have to. <laughs> Pidgington? Pidgington, yeah. <laughs> he came up with a name for him. It was just really sweet. I was not ready for Pidgington today. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, and they got a top hat, and it was just really cute. Um, and then Nickelodeon. I guess here's three Nickelodeon, three Nickelodeon ones, um, Santiago of the Seas. If you want an adventure one with, like, really, f with um, Spanish, with, uh, characters that you don't normally see in the leads um, and just like super enthusiastic kids. Like it feels very much like if you took Dora the Explorer and um, uh, added a little bit of Jake um, and the Neverland Pirates and like smoosh those together add a little bit of magic from the Pirates of the Caribbean, just like a smidge of magic, uh, then it's you get Santiago of the Seas. And um, hmm. it's, it's just, it was really, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a fun show. Well, good. I'm glad that they finally figured out, figured out a way to like recapture the Dora magic without just doing another Dora iteration. Yeah, and I love, I feel like the Spanish in Santiago is just, it's just the way they speak. And it's not trying to teach you Spanish, it's just they're using it. It's like, oh, tell tell the ship to go to the right. It's like, ah, oh, a la derecha. You know, it's like, let's, let's go. He has to control the ship using Spanish. Mm -hmm. So that's just a really fun, like, here's, here we go. I mean, that's the best way to learn words in another language, too, rather than, like, Stopping the story. Let's talk about like what these words are in English and Spanish now. It's like, cool. Here's a usage for it. To the right. <laughs> like that's all the positioning a kid really needs. Or an adult as someone trying to relearn Spanish right now. <laughs> so those, those are my picks as a parent for things that you would not feel bad to let your kid watch and would feel good to let your children watch. Okay. So sorry to take up a lot of time with that, but I'm really, I, I never realized how passionate I am about good representations of relationships between children 
and relationships between children and their parents and good portrayals of parents. Like that, I'm really super passionate, especially fathers, like good fathers. What's happening now? Now's the time Uh, to be a writer of a young kid's show Mm -hmm. and want good dads. I don't know. So shall we move to our next segment of uh, all ages? Sure. Let's talk about all ages. Now here, I think throughout the year, if you're curious, you can go back and listen to our episodes specifically on some of these shows. So we probably won't talk about them in as in depth right now, but our recommendations stand for um, Kipo in the age of wonder beasts, uh, which I haven't finished season three of, but I guess is the final season question mark. Yes. Okay. Have you finished it? No, I haven't. I'm like, I had to go back and finish star versus the forces of evil. And, but I'm Kipo is one that I do want to finish. Cause I, I was really excited by that first season. It was super strong. Yeah. I really, really like Kipo. I know we're talking about multiple seasons. They have all happened in 2020. Trust me. It is. I had to go back and look that up. Cause I was like, I surely this was not all in 2020, not three seasons in one year. It's Netflix. And it was like January. So yeah, like every four months. <laughs> uh, that's how you stay in tune. Um, so Kipo, Gold Star, uh, Looney Tunes, Cartoons, and HBO Max. We've talked about. We like them. Yes. Keep 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 releasing new episodes. Please. Eventually, hopefully. Since you have yes. 200 of them and you've released 10. <laughs> uh, the Owl House. Uh, I'm a, I think how you feel about Amphibia is how I feel about The Owl House. Like, I love it. I love it. It's so weird and, like, just off the beaten path enough with like just enough big storytelling lore um, that I'm really into it. I just like the main character is just this really nerdy girl who likes fantasy books. And it's, I, I feel so seen. I, uh, every time, every time I catch an episode, I love it. I just need to go back and watch the whole thing. Um, especially when there's a reference to the critic in an episode of the owl house. I'm like, yes, uh, this this show gets me. I know, I know. I was not expecting the critic to still be relevant in the year 2020 <laughs> after, like, you know, having two and a half seasons. Um, but here we are, and people still know at least that one buy my book bit. And I'm happy with that. And if I ever have a book or anything to hawk, you can bet I'll be doing that. <laughs> uh we also have talked about Wizards, Tales of Arcadia, which, depending how you like split hairs, it may or may not be a new show. Um, it's True. the latest and final season in the Tales of Arcadia franchise. Um, and just this iteration of main character that it follows is new. And I recommend it. I binged all of it. Uh, Chris, I know that you've started on this franchise and maybe you're not all the way through this. Oh, year. no. I caught up except for. Three Below. I'm behind on Three Below. I really like Three Below. You have such a magical journey ahead of you. <laughs> um, so those we've already talked about this year. So what that we've not talked about on our podcast in the year 2020 do we recommend? Okay. I, I recommend mostly on behalf of Jack. And also for us, though. 
um, Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous on Netflix. Um, I don't. I didn't think it was possible to make a show for all ages that let Jurassic Park slash World be dangerous and scary, um, and still have people die and still have like crazy adventure, and be able to pull that off and have kids be the main characters. It was exhausting to try to tell my son like no no these six kids are going to survive like this you're going to be these ones are going to be fine everyone I was like all the adults you never know but these these kids are probably going to be okay I only watched the first episode and there's not much like physical danger to the characters in that episode there's some um, but I was shocked at the beginning where the conceit is like they're the one kid playing the video game and they show like the archaeologist character get devoured by raptors. It's like, oh, okay, the show is doing that. <laughs> cool. I I think I read somewhere where Steven Spielberg's like, um, you know, I still want it to be dangerous. Or if or if it was Trevorrow, I can't remember if it was Colin or if it was Steven who was like, no, this place still has to be terrible. Like you can't numb it down. It has to still be scary and dangerous and death should still mm-hmm. happen. I mean, that's if your kid loves the Jurassic Park, Jurassic world franchise already, it's not like there's a previous like dumbed down kid version of that franchise. Like they love it because it's dangerous. So I think that's a smart move to keep that in there. Right. I mean, they could go the, if you, if you have somebody who's loves, dinosaurs and you want like super kid friendly you could go with the lego jurassic world series on nickelodeon um, which is like sweet and nice and like all the dinosaurs are friends and nobody really gets eaten um but this is like aged up a little bit and people die and if you want a dinosaur that's basically the baby yoda version of like the Jurassic World's answer to Baby Yoda, Bumpy the Ankylosaurus. Um, if you're listening, creators of Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous, we need a Bumpy plush stat, like now. Like my my <laughs> son will not calm down until he is able to have a Bumpy Ankylosaurus plush. Talk. I'm sure you can go on Etsy and like find someone who makes dinosaur plushes and be like, can you specifically make this one for me? Yeah, but he, he wants one that's soft and like specifically, you know, like, I don't know. Do you doubt the craftsmanship of Etsy makers? <laughs> I don't know. I, he, he doesn't want crochet. He wants a very specific like uh-huh. okay. texture. It's a very texture thing. But okay. it's a really good show. It has lots of adventure. And a season two has just been announced for next year. Ooh, spacing it out, Netflix. I know. One season a year. <laughs> what? Or at least the four months between September and January. Right. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you saw, speaking of Nickelodeon, uh, since it seems like the more all-ages Nickelodeon shows have been Netflix shows recently, or I guess... CBS probably moving forward. But have you seen Glitch Decks? 
I did not have a chance to watch that one. Uh, I'd heard such good things about it. Uh, I skipped around a little bit. It's another show that's in the Mackenzie wheelhouse of like, I wish I had this when I was younger. Mm. Of uh, I'm not going to recap it well because I skipped ahead in the series. Uh, but it, it's two kids who play video games. It's kind of like if you combined um, Last Starfighter and Men in Black. So it's like they win a video game tournament and so they're inducted into like this Apple Store type job where they have to like go find video game glitches that escape the game into the real world and fix that and mind wipe people who witness it. And they gain experience doing this and they have to return back to base and they level up on their own in the real world by catching video game problems. Well, why didn't I watch that? That's like all my, you just said like some of my favorite things from. <laughs> it's, it's cute. Um, it has representation as well. It's got a good uh, diverse cast of people. Um, I haven't made it as far where I think even probably some of the more surprising representations would be in the show that I've heard about. I haven't seen those episodes, but I heard that they're there. Um, the one episode that I watched had like a, version of like a Pokemon game, basically where like the Pokemon escapes. Um, and it's the episode where they befriend, uh, essentially their ostrich chicken friend who's in a lot of the trailers and art. If you play final fantasy, it's clearly a chocobo. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and if you don't play final fantasy, it's okay for that reference to go over your head. You never need to know that word again. Uh, but it's, it's cute. I love the chicken sidekick character who's just a dumb chicken. Um, <laughs> I thought the characters are really engaging. I I get the impression that the nerdy girl, once again, is the main character and not the nerdy boy, uh, which is nice and relieving. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about her learning life lessons, but also learning to not stop being herself and to not compromise who she is to be a better person either. Hmm. So I recommend I will probably uh, watch some more of it when I'm not buried in all the things that I said I would watch. I, I may have to visit that one then. That sounds super fun. Mm-hmm. Jack would probably like it too, since he's kind of entering that video game phase. Yeah. I say definitely. phase as if I don't currently have like three Mario games in progress on my Switch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not discussing that. Um, <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Uh, I also, I know, I think there was a lot of like discourse earlier in the year about Thundercats Roar. Mm. I haven't watched it recently, uh, but I did watch it when it first came out. I gotta say, I really liked it. I, I enjoyed it too. Um, I, here's my thing, like... I think the the folks who write DuckTales are of the same mind of this. It's like, look, as kids, we would play any way we wanted to with our toys. And that doesn't do anything wrong with things. We just play with them differently. This is this one group of people's take on the characters from Thundercats. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be anything other than that. Nobody's ruining anything. Nobody's doing anything. It's just another 
lens to look at something that we all know. I totally agree. And I think that it's, this show itself is such a specific brand of humor too. It's very mm. um, like early YouTube humor, like hashtag right. so random. It's kind of fun. It feels like it captures that early internet feel that's been missing from my life for a decade. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And I think that it does the idea of Thundercats justice. And my husband has this whole thesis he could write about the people who like demand that Thundercats be one thing and one thing only. And it's his hypothesis is that they remember the, the title sequence of the original Thundercats show. And they think that's what Thundercats was. And it was not anything like that beyond the title sequence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and those people demand that didn't watch the like badass reboot that happened already once in the 2000s. Yeah, not too long ago. Like, Cool, you want that, but nobody watched it. So we're going to try this completely different direction to see if we can make money off this franchise. I don't fault the owners of the IP for doing that. And I... I feel like currently in 2020, I feel like we are ripe for things that are funny and good natured again. Yeah. Like, and I, I feel like there's a middle ground between um, badass dark reboot and. Uh, being something beholden to what exactly something used to be and um, just going off the wall ridiculous with something. And you, I'm really excited, you know, for like the way they're doing Darkwing Duck in DuckTales. Like that's, that's the middle ground between those three things. Like let's respect what it was. We're not going to do a dark reboot we're not going to go off the rails with it, but we're going to do something that's authentic to now mm-hmm. and something that celebrates, but also deconstructs like a deconstruction can also be a celebration. Yeah. I think this is a bigger topic, but one of the things I find so fascinating about the political and cultural climate of the last four years and hopefully only four years uh, compared to 2000, 2008 in the US is like 2000, 2008 was like the core of like the dark gritty reboot and punk rock and like people just hating the political climate and like putting it into their creative work. And I think the last four years, a lot of creative people have went and gone like, who boy, we tried that and that was a dark place. Like, what if we do fun? (laughs) What if we had fun with this? And I think some people outside of these mediums might say, oh, that's escapism and not worth your time. And I fundamentally disagree because I don't think that what we're seeing now is escapism. I think we're seeing a more conscious effort to do storytelling that is positive, subtle, and provides good message and good role modeling through things that are fun and make you want to watch it. Mm. True. And that's what I really value about the things that are amazing and that I love from the past four years of culture. See DuckTales. Again, we talk about DuckTales a lot, but yes, DuckTales is that. I feel like there's like a a word joke about fundamentally different, you know, (laughs) but I'm not, I'm not in a brain space to make that 
um, yeah, I, I think you're so right, though. I think we are hungry for fun and positivity, but not in a way that is head in the sand denies things. Mm-hmm. It's a it's it's an active positivity. It's a conscientious choice of positivity. It's a um, what not kind of what is the word that I mean? Int- ah, intentional positivity that's yes that's the word i mean i think a good example of this that's not a tv show from the past year and i think a lot of people for some reason were kind of over this franchise by the time this came out but lego movie 2 and they do the whole song that's the sequel to the smash hit everything is awesome where they're just everything can't be awesome all the time that's not a realistic expectation and it's the same melody it's basically the same song but just slowed down and they're saying like everything can be awesome if we work really hard to make it awesome. Mm. And I think the Lego movie too is such a shining example of the kind of writing and attitude that I really love from between 2016 and 2020. And hopefully will be a long lasting example that people rediscover in future decades. I certainly hope so. Oh, well that was a long way to say Thundercats roar is fun. Yeah. We're not an apologist for it either. Take that listener who hasn't seen the show (laughs) (laughs) anything else uh that catches our that caught our eyes i think that's my all ages recommendations okay wonderful let's move on to adult oriented children parents if you've been listening up till now we won't really get deep into anything uh, that's like language-wise that's terrible, but some of the content from here on out may be a little bit iffy. That's a fair, I don't know what's, what's it's like a spoiler warning, but uh, I guess a content warning, there is a word for that. <laughs> Uh, so to start off this section, I think that the only thing we've really talked about already this year is the Midnight Gospel. Yes. Which we had feelings about, uh, which yeah. we recommend, but uh, go in with a very open mind of like what a TV show is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's one of those of, I think I got what I wanted out of it. It's not... It's not necessarily my bag, but I think I see there's quality in it. So if you go back and listen to that episode, you can hear us wax poetic about that. Um, Was there anything that you would say stood out to you in your watching? (sighs) I think the only thing that I've has really been out long enough. Uh, and that I've had access to long enough that I can say I consistently watched and look forward to was not on any TV show. Uh, I think it was a Comedy Central like YouTube short series. Uh, Lofi. <laughs> so stupid. I love Lofi. <laughs> if, if you're not familiar, it's just, I think like two or three years ago, someone was doing a series on like TV shows that celebrities wish they'd had the chance to make. And Bobby Moynihan talked about this TV show idea he had. And they made it. And Lofi 
He's a drug dealing manatee who lives at a knockoff Central Park Zoo and is a single dad and has his friends who are animals and girlfriend who's not an animal. It's hard to describe the show. It's really short. Uh, it's stupid. I think a good example of the stupid is one of their friends is Mark Camel. Not Mark Camel. Mar Camel. And it's just a camel wearing 1970s Mark Camel toupees on his head and two humps. I like Lofi. I think it's catchy. If you like Bobby Moynihan's voice work, it's like the adult version of Louis Duck from DuckTales with just enough like nerdy panda from We Bear Bears thrown in. <laughs> and that's who Lofi is. So if you always wanted Louis Duck as an adult teenager who is a drug dealer in a legal way, uh, there's Lofi. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lofi made me laugh. It is it is not my bag, but Luffy made me laugh. I respect that. I I mostly wanted to watch Luffy because, you know, I follow Nina West on Instagram and it's like, what is this? An animated film about Oh no, it's not a film, it's a series. Like what is this? I even forgot that Nina West was in it as because of course our Columbus connection. Like, of course we know Nina West. We've known about her since before she was pool cool. Um, who did she voice in that? <laughs> I, I can't, I don't even know. Like I couldn't even find the episode, but I'm going to try to Google it right now. Cause I feel like I have to know, like I just got lost in liking Lofi that I forgot that Nina West was one of the catalysts for me watching the show. <laughs> uh, oh, she's the spiritual uh, yeah, 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 that makes sense. She's like the, the life coach spiritual lady, human, if you've seen that one. I have not seen that one. So my whole very impetus for watching it I has not, I have not even seen the right episode then. <laughs> Anything else, Mackenzie? Um, I think that's the one that I've watched consistently other stuff I'll mention that I liked. Um, I'm not watching it closely, but kind of my new go-to, like I want to fill some time and like not feel bad about it. Uh, close enough on HBO max. Oh yeah. Uh, when you're talking about like parent child relationships that are relatable and good, I think close enough is kind of that, but in an adult way. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they're trying, but they're bad at it, but everyone loves each other. There's no hate. Right. They're they're really putting in the effort, even though they're making terrible decisions. Um, like, they're doing the wrong thing while they're totally trying to do the right thing. Yeah. Um, I, I think, as I was watching the shows in this block... <laughs> um, my uh, my wife was like, what is the theme for this episode that you're going to record? Because are you just like, what are you watching? Because I would always watch it at the end of my day and just go from one to the other. She's like, what is all this? What What is this? And um, I had walked away from the TV and, you know, freeze framed to go get like a snack or something. And she comes up like, what are you watching? And it's like a 
shot of the main character, the one of the the husband, I can't remember his name, dressed up in a zoot suit with a parrot with a zoot suit who's wearing a zoot suit. And there I was like, I'm like, I can't explain it. I can't really explain <laughs> how they've gotten to this point. Um, but just trust me, it's it's funny. It is funny. It it has ridiculous setups. Uh, I think my favorite, because uh, there are some very specific old movies that I love that are very niche and nerdy, and Logan's Run is one of them. And the premise of Logan's Run, a sci-fi classic if you have not seen it, is uh, basically there's this utopian society, but by the time everyone turns 25, they die, basically. Like, you're killed. And Close Enough does this, but they go to a bar... And they realize this bar is not for people above the age of 30. And they like kill anyone over the age of 30 in this bar and sacrifice them. And the adult main characters are trying to pretend that they're young still and enjoying a night out party. <laughs> it's <laughs> whoo, that, that hit hard. So many levels. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, it's we've often talked about how animation is really good about showing a stylized version of our world, but also being able to show really interesting ways of the uh, of displaying a person's internal struggle in a interesting, sophisticated way. And I think Close Enough does that in a really accessible way. And you know, it doesn't go too strange, but it just allows us to see what these characters are going through emotionally and intellectually by taking it and running with a um, off the wall concept. I'd almost like walk that back a bit. Cause it feels like all of the conflicts are very grounded and real, mm-hmm. but then it takes it to like this absurd nth degree after that. Like it, like the idea of like, am I too old to go out partying? What if they sacrifice people to the fan in the ceiling at this bar? <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's, I'll also give a passing recommendation because I watched the first episode of a magical girl friendship squad mm. on sci-fi channel. It's cute. I like the characters. It's Sailor Moon, the adult TV show. Yeah. Oh, like Broad City meets Sailor Moon. That might be a good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I liked it. I might not watch more of it, uh, but I liked it. Um, and then I'm only really just starting Star Trek Lower Decks. I I watched the first episode of that, and I'm, I think it's obvious that there's love of Star Trek lore, but also, hey, let's just do whatever we want to this. Um, it feels very... Rick and Morty because it is like one of the writers from Rick and Morty who's responsible for pickle. Rick um, is the creator of it. It's a very similar visual language as well. Mm -hmm. I would say lower decks is Rick and Morty, but in star Trek and with (laughs) two out of four main characters being women. (laughs) Yes. And then off that, um, you get Solar Opposites, which is the same person. Um, so you get Rick and Morty 
but a family of aliens trying to figure out their life on Earth. So it's like ALF, but if if it was a whole family of people who are, so it's like the whole found family, found relationships. So it's, but it all, but it does go much further down the, it, it follows the trail of Rick and Morty of, let's take this to the worst possible, grandest, strangest, most terrible version of this that this can be. I haven't seen Solar Opposites yet, but it's so interesting that that's the same person behind it. Mm-hmm. So I enjoyed those two, but of those two, I think for me, Lower Decks is like a tamped down version of that comedy um, with an IP that I enjoy. <laughs> so it's like, I may, I may go that way, but Solar Opposites was funny, but it also is a little bit more gross out ridiculousness that Rick and Morty tends to like push to. Yeah, I think, I mean, we've talked about this before. I will watch like the best episode of Rick and Morty, like every season and have a perfectly good time and enjoy it. Uh, But I can't watch it consistently for many reasons. And I think one of the reasons is that it just feels so mean spirited sometimes. I think some Mm. people might call that like nihilism, but I disagree. I I think that it's nihilistic and mean spirited. (laughs) (laughs) And I think Lower Decks, because that's the one of those two shows that I've seen, doesn't have that same mean spirit in it. And I would say that Solar Opposites is more positive too. Mm. Like it's, it takes the the gross out stuff f- as far, but it it's not mean. They're not mean to each other. They're just they're trying to be a family together. Um, it feels weirdly positive, but also like it also feels really old fashioned because <laughs> the two main characters are two male aliens and that just feels so weird i guess Mm. in in 2020 it's just like it feels like a throwback concept to have two male characters i don't know what that says about 2020 i'm like "Uh, i've seen this you know in a weird way i think we've just been so spoiled for like more diverse storytelling and better representation that presents like and it's not just there for the sake of it either like it provides interesting new perspectives on plots you may have seen before but are now interesting again mm-hmm. that now like backpedaling to like okay here's two dudes without any interesting perspective other than being weird gross aliens like what is this adding right. i haven't seen it so that's not like a real judgment on the show that's just an example of perhaps what you're feeling i th- i think that that kind of hits it and then you have something like the other side where it's like, let's let's have something for adults, but have it be totally positive. And you get from creator of Bob's Burgers, you get Central Park, which is just Josh Gad and um, Leslie Odom Jr. and Kristen Bell. Well, not Kristen Bell anymore, but um, that's a whole other topic on this. But um, that just felt really nice. Like it, it's like nice people being nice and singing and you feel really good. And Titus is in it. 
because um, we're on a first name basis with Titus too. Um, I just feel like I, I've only watched two or three episodes, but it does feel like that's a positive answer. Um, that and Duncanville on Fox. I don't know if you watched Duncanville. I haven't seen Duncanville. It it's like um, it's trying to be a little bit more understanding of a family. It's like if the if the Simpsons more consistently showed affection to each other and like loved each other, and there wasn't like the violence to it. It and and Bart was older, like driving age. Um, <laughs> And Maggie could talk like it's the family there, but they've learned some stuff and they all appreciate each other. And it doesn't feel like they're, it doesn't feel like he's Duncan's lying to his family for bad reasons. Like it all feels like no one's making fun of each other or being rude to each other. It's just a family trying to get through life. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I think I, I, I will watch a couple more episodes of that. It felt fun. That's fair. I respect wanting to watch fun things right now. Yeah. Uh, And then you end up with something like Dicktown, which is like a little bit different. It's. I don't know anything about the show yet. John Hodgman is the main character. Yeah. So imagine if you have like something in the style of early Scooby-Doo is what the animation feels like. It feels very... 1970s Scooby-Doo, where two people are solving mysteries, um, but for teenagers. So it's like Encyclopedia, if Encyclopedia Brown grew up and was still solving mysteries for teenagers, um, and that's how he's making his money, is solving mysteries for teenagers, but like, He's an adult now and he's teamed up with like the guy from high school who bullied him because he needed muscle and now they're solving mysteries together. Also, he needs a ride. Okay. I mean, I, I can picture this show in my head now, how it's mm-hmm. plot works. And I, I can say I, and not in a bad way. I think I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, regret having watched it like I did some other things on this list. Um, but it's it's not my bag. But if, if that sounds fun to you, please yeah. watch. We're in the golden age of TV. And like certainly Chris and I are recommending lots of stuff. Uh, there's lots of stuff we saw that we're not talking about today. Uh, but that doesn't mean that it's bad. It just means it didn't grab us. And it's okay mm-hmm. for that. It's okay for things to not be for you. And to also recognize that other people might like them. Mm -hmm. So I think that's all I have. Is there anything you wanted to add for? Oh, no, same. I'm TV'd out. Oof. That was a lot, dear listeners. Thank you for sticking with us as we went through this. So hopefully you have some new things to go for and watch and enjoy. Um, And... This is the best part. That's not it. There's still more that we haven't had a chance to talk about because they haven't been released yet. Things like Animaniacs coming back to Hulu, Trollstopia coming to Hulu. There's a Daleks 
animated series coming onto YouTube. There's my little another My Little Pony. There are more Disney Junior shows. There's the wonderful world of, world of Mickey Mouse coming out on Disney Plus. Like there are two new PBS Kids shows, which are always good and safe for parents. Like PBS Kids, like those are solid. Eleanor I did Wonders like Molly Line. of Denali last year. Right? So like PBS Kids, those are just coming out later this year. I mean, I, I'm i a little bit honestly surprised we had so much to talk about in the year 2020 and then not everything got pushed back <laughs> as far. I think yeah. it's part of an animated show of like more or less those could kind of continue. I'm not going to make any judgments on if the people working on the shows were happy in those conditions or not, but <laughs> those shows still <laughs> came out. Uh, so, hey, good year for animation. Yeah, solid. Good job, 2020 animation <laughs> division. And everyone who worked on it, we thank you. The thank world you. thanks you. Oh, goodness. So, for our favorite thing for our uh, Best New Shows episode, Chris, what are the things that you're going to keep watching that we've talked about today? Okay. I'm going to finish up Kipo. I'm sad it's ended. I'm excited to watch it. Um, as you probably could ascertain from my conversation earlier, Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous, The Lava Family, will still continue to watch as many um, seasons of that happen. Um, Central Park, I want to go and revisit. I will watch Looney Tunes. I want to go watch The Owl House. I'll catch close enough that episode that you were talking about the bar. That sounds really funny. I might watch that tonight by myself. And I do want to watch Star Trek Lower Decks because I do love, I don't want to say love. I love Star Wars. I enjoy Star Trek. So I do want to watch Lower Decks because I, I enjoyed what I watched, what I saw of Lower Decks. How about you, Mackenzie? My list is almost the same except for Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous. <laughs> uh, I've just accepted that it's fine. It's not for me. I'm not going to watch it. Um, actually, yes, my list is exactly the same except for Camp Cretaceous. So what All Chris right. said. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't ever happen, really. I mean, sometimes it happens close, but we never, like, get so... I will say Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous, if Jack were not in the picture, I probably would not have put that on my list. But it's like a family event. It's like... We're a Jurassic World. We're a Jurassic franchise family, and we will continue to be as long as they put new things out in the world. Shh, don't tell them that. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. Well, cool. Uh, shall we talk homework time then? Let's. For your homework, we are talking about healthy ways of dealing with rejection. I feel like that's a good way to continue on 2020. Uh, so we're going to be talking about two episodes in particular. Rewatch, because I'm going to assume that you've watched both of these. Rewatch DuckTales, Season 3, Episode 9. They put a Moonlander on the Earth. And Steven Universe, Season 2, Episode 3. Love letters. As always, thank you to our engineer, Nigel Catino, and to Jacob Reed and the Champagne Drops for our theme music. 
You can find us on the web. Tell us what you thought about this list and how well your shows of 2020 matches up with ours on Twitter at WG Animated and follow our show notes on writersgetanimated.podbean.com and listen to us and subscribe and all that web internet stuff you do. Such enthusiasm. Yes, do it. Be on Web internet stuff things. Yes, be on the internet. Oh, the internet. Oh, okay. I'm going to go like lay on the couch with the TV off for a while. I know. Watching this was so exhausting to watch all these shows. I hope I hope our listeners like understand like what we went through for them to get this list. Oh, that's we how much we love for you. The dozens of you. <laughs> the dozens of listeners out there. Now you know what to watch this year. You're welcome. And thank you for listening. And good night, everybody.